one and you're live. Hi everyone and welcome to Over the Rainbow Show with your host Bob Brown on Wednesday the 8th of April at 3pm Eastern Time, 12 o'clock Pacific Time and 8pm UK Time and to all the listeners from around the world you can go to Beacon of Light Radio chat on Facebook or you can sky me at Beacon Light Radio. Well we've got a fabulous guest today, call him Stephen A. Ross. Stephen has been in the health field for nearly 40 years. He co-founded the World Research Foundation in 1984. WRF gathers health information from around the world, providing complementary and holistic approaches for more than 300 diseases and illnesses. So can we please welcome Stephen to the show? Hello there, mate. Hey, thank you, Bob, so much, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show today. Hey, it's, it's a pleasure, you know, the work you have done over the years um, and what you talk about. You know, I, I was I was uh, listening to it about the rife microscope. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, in the late 1920s, a man named Dr. Royal Wright developed a microscope that was 10 times more powerful than any other microscope then. And even today, it was a light source microscope. And when he and his medical associates looked through this microscope, viruses, bacteria microbes would glow in their very own unique colors. Uh, the viruses of cancer always were ruby red. Uh, other substances had a color. So this group of doctors thought, my gosh, if there is a color associated with these different microbes, that is the life force. Now, Bob, when you think about a singer singing, and breaking a glass, it's because the resonant frequencies are the same, the singer in the glass. So these mm. scientists thought, what if we use the same frequency we're seeing through this microscope and we apply it back against the virus or bacteria? And when they did this, the color would go out, which meant the virus, bacteria, whatever it was, was instantly destroyed. And this was done uh, in the early 1930s. Isn't that a great thing? And what happened to it then? Did they use it today or not? Well, this, of course, is the incredible story about this Rife microscope because, um, and I must share with your listeners, they can go on the Internet. You're going to find hundreds of thousands of websites talking about Rife, but um, we have the original Rife microscope. I have 500 personal letters of all of the doctors from the 20s and 30s, their, their work logs. So I'm not just sharing a story that I've heard secondhand. I'm actually relating the story from the time. The doctors came under pressure when it was announced that they might have had a cure for cancer. And the pressure came basically from the medical establishment who didn't want us getting into physics as opposed to chemistry. The microscope had ended up with a lot of pressure. It had been lost for many years. But again, we were able to find this microscope our associates have it in a safe spot. It is not in use today, Bob. And many people have contacted me asking, would this work, this approach against the coronavirus? And I would have to say, yes. In the electromagnetic spectrum, everything vibrates. Everything has a frequency. And vi viruses, microbes, bacteria can be destroyed with the right frequency. 
So he, he's basically the guy who invented this. Was he something like Tesla then? Did he have a proper job? Well, it's interesting. I'm laughing because in actuality, Royal Wright was a chauffeur for a man named Timken who built ball bearings. And during his spare time, he told people he could build more powerful microscopes than the scientists. And he did. He built uh, the super microscope, which was called the universal microscope. And by the way, the doctors working with them, E.C. Rosenau of the Mayo Clinic, Arthur Kendall of Northwestern, Luelle's Barker of John Hopkins. So all of these researchers were from top universities, but Rice um, was just a brilliant, brilliant man. And when you talk about people like Tesla and frequencies, I would have to rate Royal Rife with him. But his claim to fame was this incredible wisdom to build microscopes that are unequaled in the year 2020. He built his in 1933, and there is still nothing like it today, Bob. But the big question is, why? Well, I don't always like to get into uh, more of an upbeat, empowering person, but let's just say the pharmaceutical industry loves the chemical approach to medicine. And that, I mean, do I have to say a lot more, more than that? If you really think about it, what determines death? Brain waves and heartbeat. And those are electrical. We are electromagnetic beings. Everything is electromagnetic. And when we talk about chemicals, to me, it's like the body is English, but we're giving it Greek. The pharmaceutical is not a natural or normal aspect of the body, but frequency is. So why is it not here? Um, it it would undermine the medical model at this time. Do you think working holistic and, uh, and spiritual would help people then get over illnesses? Uh, I believe this 100%. Um, I am 71 now. I've been doing this since uh, 1973. I know what we are capable of as human beings. I have traveled all over the world over these years, seeking for knowledge, looking for wisdom in many, many different places from top universities and scientific locations to the jungles of Bali, where I was investigating uh, healers and quote, witch doctors. For me, I believe we are much more profound, Bob, than people think. The power that we possess of who we really are. I have seen so many demonstrations, not only from other people, but within my own life, the power of thought, the power of belief, the power of love, the power of faith. Those can supersede any kind of mechanical aspects that are out here. So, yes, I have spent a whole career. I will talk about things having to do with science, but I believe in the spiritual aspect of who we are. Well, Susan in the chat room said this may be a crazy question, but he said we are electric beings. What are his views on people who cause electrical interference? Um, My view on people who cause it, in other words, because they are, uh, I'm trying to think what the question might be uh, relating to, because if the question is about how powerful we are electrically, there are people who have a tremendous amount of magnetic and electrical energy mm. and they can influence machines and devices. I, I'm 
laughing a couple times because my staff, when I had them in the office, wouldn't let me around the Xerox copy machine because it never seemed to work well when I was standing there. We are magnetic and electrical, and we can have a profound influence. And when we talk about healers, when we talk about hand-on healers or distant healers, mm. they are sending something through the ether. And that something is subtle energies which have and can have magnetic and electrical frequencies to them. Yeah, Sylvia just said, yeah, that's it. I constantly blow light bulbs and blowing up electric devices. Of course. Good old Bob, you are that. And I'm, I am sure um, we have not met each other in person, but I am sure that you have a, a very strong spiritual psychic bent to you and being that you are in those kind of frequencies, these will interfere at times with our physical world here. Absolutely. Tell me about the power of belief then. Well, I, I feel there, this is the strongest aspect that we have. Now, the ancients, and, and again, the library that is behind me, we, we have thousands of volumes dating to 1492, but many of these books deal with uh, alchemy, ancient philosophy. The ancients felt that the strongest, most important gift that human beings have is our imagination. They believe that imagination is the contact between us and our God self and the creator of all. And when somebody activates their imagination, that is along the question you're asking about belief and intent. When we hold this image of what we would like, the universal forces come down and reinforce this. There is nothing more powerful than thought and belief. Um, I have done healing work all over the world for the last 35 years. It is not necessary that I be present for somebody to feel the energy, but they must be open to it. And their belief that somebody is going to help them is what really stimulates the power for something to happen. You know, Bob, in the old days, especially in America, when the white coat of the doctor came to you, it used to heal people or make them feel better. Mm. But over these last 80 or 100 years, people have this fear of hospitals and the doctors. That mystique doesn't exist anymore. And so the healings, that used to come just from a doctor or a nurse uh, just being who they are has disappeared. Our belief is very powerful. There is no bounds to what it can do. I know you, you talk to some people about, um, just for instance, about aliens. They say they can project their energy um, to come in contact with them. Uh, and make um, crafts appear in front of them. What do you think about that? For me, there is absolutely no question of spiritual sources of higher dimensions. My gosh, uh, where I live in Sedona, we're right under the Milky Way. It's so clear. <laughs> you see billions and billions of lights and stars and um, worlds and galaxies to, to seriously believe that we are the only life here, for me personally, uh, is not possible. Now, in regards to contacts, I have met many people who have shared 
incredible stories. I have had personal experiences with extra dimensions in the spiritual world. What I do find also is some people have very active thoughts. And the real question is whether they truly have these contacts or not. And if they're real, here's what I always say. I look at the character of people. If somebody tells me they were in contact with the spirit of so-and-so or an alien race, I look at the demeanor of the person and the information that comes through. And that is how I make my personal determination of, is this the highest and best that's coming through? Is this just somebody's active thoughts? But the reality is, yes. And I believe during this period now, this is the big awakening of the consciousness of people on this earth plane. And I know there are beings from other planets that are observing us, that are supporting us, and that are watching us. Yeah, I can imagine that as well. What about your dreams? Do you have dreams? Well, I, I have been very fortunate. Uh, I met a Native American Indian in 1973 who told me all my future guidance would come in my dreams. And I remember kind of laughing and chuckling because my dreams, um, I either didn't remember them or I remember something silly. And he told me this. and I was so anxious to have a dream, Bob, that I went one week without sleeping because every night I would go, I'd go, oh my gosh, uh, maybe I'll dream tonight. Well, after a week, I was very exhausted. I did have a dream I remembered. And when I woke up, I, I thought about the dream and I was deciding whether I should do what the dream was intimating. In other words, in my dream, a very close friend of mine who I played in a sports team with, in the dream, he pointed to an animal in a book and said, this is what Steve is. Now, before I tell you what the animal was, um, I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, I have a good relationship with this fellow. So I called him up and I said, is there something bothering you about me? And by the way, his name was Bob, real. And <laughs> Bob said, no. Um, and I said, is there something bothering you about me? And he said, what's your problem? Is there some?" I said, is there something bothering? And I, I was only 24 years old. I don't know why I kept doing that. And he said, yes. He said, do you remember when we played on our six-man volleyball team four years ago, do you remember what you did to our teammate? And I said, no. He said he wasn't the, one of the good players, and every time he made a mistake, you didn't say anything, but you glared at him. And now this is still Bob saying, when he and I would go out for pizza, he would throw up because he couldn't win your approval, and I thought you were a real hog. Now, in my dream, he had pointed to a hog. And I started shaking and thought, wait a minute, this was my dream. I, this man never let on. Now, after that, I had five dreams every night for the next two months on every phase of my personality, my likes, my views. And then I started getting telephone numbers. And I would wake up and I'd go, oh, my gosh, it's, it's a telephone number. And I would call up and somebody would say, we're waiting for you. And I would go there and they would give me materials. And this is how we have amassed this massive library of ancient materials of lost healing devices. So I apologize for speaking a little longer about this, but I wanted you to 
your audience to really understand the importance that I feel about dreams mm. and how it's it's an extra dimension that every single person has. Do you think you ought to write your dreams down? What you can remember? Well, yes, I, I think, you know, uh, over the years, people have asked me, um, are, are you just lucky, Steve, or I can't remember my dreams? Well, here's what I did. I kept a yellow legal pad next to my bed. And I was making a statement by doing that. I want to record my dreams. Now, during the night, I could wake up the most ever was nine times during the night. I would wake up, write the dream down without even opening my eyes. I figured out a way to turn the next page mm-hmm. and then go back to sleep and have another dream and another dream or sometimes even poetry. I believe that when you make the definitive statement, Bob, I want this communication through my dreams and you just do it, it will happen. Yes, it is good. Now, does it mean it's bad if you don't? No, because dreams are a communication from one aspect of yourself to another aspect. Your remembering, of course, can, can help and facilitate greater experiences in your life. But I don't want people out there thinking there's something wrong or bad with them if they don't remember their dreams. It's a matter of habit. It's like Nike said, just do it. Hey, so, uh, I know many people don't say they don't have dreams. Few people and have spoken to of the years. Right, and that, that would be a, a misnomer because um, it's been proven that every human being will have between six and, and eight or nine dreams a night. And even if somebody's sleep is interrupted, they will actually catch up in dreams uh, to make up for it. it. You have to be at a certain state of awareness, even while you're sleeping and awake, to, to remember these. But it's, it's a matter of conditioning and training. Um, the more you do it, the more things start happening. But every single, hey, even animals dream. You can see um, pets, dogs. People have seen that the dog is moving. It's running. It's, it's going through something. Now, to say we know exactly where we're going when we're dreaming, um, that we can't say. And the dreams have different contexts. Uh, some, for some people, they are actually can be living in another dimension through that dream yeah. uh, or another reality, or it can be a message. Dreams are just really fascinating. It's a great subject to talk about is dreams. It is the best. And, and uh, I, oh, I don't oh, mean I don't. to be making it sound like a, a pitch here, but I just, Um, wrote a book with my co-author where I have put the dreams that I've had over 50 years, where they led me, what happened. My book is called A Grand Design of Dreams uh, by Steve Ross and Jeffrey Winsel. It's on Amazon. So you must have had loads of experiences. I'm sorry? You must have had a lot of experiences in that time. Yes, uh, tremendous experiences because uh, the dreams have provided me incredible guidance, not only with places to go in the world, which, which I didn't know about, and poetry, but also commentary. Um, it, it, it's a very interesting experience that I would wake up from a dream and I would actually be given a commentary on my own dream. Now, this is very rare. Nobody's written about this, 
but I know we were all capable of this, but people have never thought about it. It's so I didn't analyze my dream. I was given a commentary right after the dream because I waited for it. So the dreams can be very valuable uh, and everybody dreams. I am not a person who's into gurus or master teachers. If somebody wants that, fine. I think that's nice. But I believe there is no wiser guidance and teacher and guru than your own higher self. self. Your soul is, is the greatest teacher you have. Yeah, so, so some of the dreams can go into reality later on in life then. Absolutely. And, and the real question is, those are so real. They're, they are so real. Are they, are you in multiple realities simultaneously? Is this reality you and I talking in, or, or is this a dream for another part of ourselves? We, you know, we sit and explore the universe. We dive deep into the water to discover, but we don't even know anything, Bob, about our own minds and selves, where we go during sleep why we really do the things we do. Because even though psychology and psychiatrists come up with their theories, that really doesn't always hold water. It's, it's our own self looking at our own self. We don't always get the mechanics of everything that's happening. It can be other realities, absolutely. It's like uh, waking up and you're paralyzed in, in bed can't move. You you know you're awake at the time. We think you're awake at the time, but you're paralyzed and you can't move. You know, has that ever happened to you? Yes. Uh, it's, it's interesting because for me, those are out-of-body experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a whole other area of being able to elongate one's consciousness so that you can bilocate where you are at several places and your body is not moving. So there's all kinds of aspects where somebody has completely removed their astral portion from themselves. It can be partially in there. Your, your psyche can be active and that body just is not moving. As you said, it's, it feels paralyzed. You, you just have not fully returned into your body, Bob, wherever you were gallivanting. Because a few people say, but, you know, have you been taken? Have you been abducted? Um, in some respects, uh, when it happens to you, uh, lots of theories about that. What's your theory on about that? Well, I have not personally had that. I can tell you, uh, being where I live in Sedona, Arizona, we have quite a spiritual, metaphysical, esoteric community here. And I have met people who claimed that they were walk-ins and um, uh, another spirit has taken over their body. Um, some people, I, for me, it was their imagination and not willing to accept their earlier life. However, I have also met people who were so unique, so different. When I, when I was in their presence, when I looked at them, something, something was, was quite different. Now, when we get to abductions, um, is it possible... I certainly am never going to make a blanket statement, no, uh, this doesn't happen. I have not had any personal experience. I can tell you that I have been overshadowed where I do feel um, spiritual forces around spiritual entities. Mm -hmm. I, I can hear them in my conscious state. 
when I'm counseling or working with people, I can hear a voice or a spirit talking to me at the same time. But when we get into the abductions, they were taken away and brought back. Um, I'm interested in all of that, but I could not render. But I would be interested in what you feel about that. You know, I've, I've laid in bed and I've been paralyzed quite a few times. And sometimes it frightens you. You're wanting to say something or shout or, and then all of a sudden I can feel myself um, like going back into my body. Exactly. Yeah, and that, then everything's that, that all right again. And uh, but I still remember it. Some of the few times is that of the years. And I so I think it's sometimes I get into that spiritual realm and I try and come in contact with the universe, and sometimes that's what happens. Higher consciousness. And and, and that makes total sense. And it's funny, it would be just like you bounced back into your car, you know, or the, the window wasn't, uh, the door wasn't open wide enough at first for you to get in and you tried to squeeze your, the car is like your physical body. And for some of us, when we go out of body, it can take a, a while or it may be quick or you may feel pins and needles uh, coming back into your body you may have your consciousness back there first and the other energies just haven't come in to animate your body where you're able to control it. So absolutely. You were out, I'm telling you, you were out gallivanting. Gallivanting. <laughs> yes, I probably will have been as well. You know, one of the questions so, I'd love to ask you, how, how did you get into the, into the elf field then? What made you want to do that? Well, I have a, a math science. I have a math science background. My PhDs in finance, and I was also on athletic scholarship at my university in California. I ran track and field, hundred meters, two hundred meters, and in 1968, I was working out during Easter time, and a gardener had left a sprinkler head on our workout track, and I didn't notice it until right when I was coming down with my left foot, and I knew if I hit that, I would be severely injured. So I tried to extend my stride whilst I was running 100 meters, and I really tore my knee up, fell down on the ground, it was Easter. No one else was out there. I crawled on my hands and knees to the trainer's room, and they called and set up an appointment for me with Dr. Robert Curlin, 1968. He was the sports physician for the Los Angeles Rams, Dodgers, and Lakers. He diagnosed me. They did tests. He said I'd need surgery or I couldn't compete again. I was sent for a second opinion to UCLA uh, University. Uh, this was so long ago that the famous basketball player, Kareem Jabbar, was still in college. You have to have surgery. Well, I went back to my university, and there was a popular mechanics magazine. It has nothing to do with medicine. In it, it talked about a healing technique from Russia. I, I was 19. I called up Dr. Curlin. Uh, Doctor, what, what, could this work for me? No. That is holistic garbage. It's crap. It will never work. I decided to try it myself. I missed four weeks of training. I resumed my training, and that year I finished fifth in the United States for small college nationals. The experts said I needed surgery, but I didn't, and it planted a seed for me. What other things exist in this world that we don't know about here in the United States? Why did these experts say something wouldn't work, and it did? 
And so mm. Bob, that that experience started me off investigating and traveling all over the world to see what things exist for cancer, arthritis, diabetes, all kinds of health problems. And when I met um, my associate, Laverne Bachman in California, I shared my story. She had a similar story of looking for a health solution and we formed World Research Foundation in 1984 to hold information from around the world. It's quite easy to get tablets, and they make money on tablets, don't they? Yes. Big money. All these firms. Um, so they, all they want to do is give you a tablet. They don't want you to go get some holistic stuff, what's going to make you better, they're always saying, they're always going to tell you it does not work. And, and that is the difficulty. And in my mind, you know, uh, I have been lecturing and doing presentations for 40 years. Now, for the first 30, I used to be much more adamant, um, and I'm going to use the term bashing the pharmaceutical industry because... Every single thing, including aspirin, has an adverse effect. Every single substance. My wife and I were listening to the TV last night, and if you have a skin condition, the adverse effects can be, um, well, you're going to be having mental problems, psychological, suicidal thoughts. Now, why in heaven's name should you have suicidal thoughts by taking a a drug because you have red patches on your skin. Everything has these adverse effects. This is why I gravitated towards color and light and sound, um, herbs and vitamins. Um, Sound dealing. These are more natural. Yes. Sound dealing is a good one, isn't it? Absolutely. We are frequency. You had mentioned Tesla. Tesla is very famous. Everything is frequency. Mm. Everything in existence is frequency. And when you hit the, the note. Now, I'm going to tell you a very interesting story about the great and old philosopher who was Pythagoras in 520 BC. He is credited with adding the eighth note and making the octave. He is credited with hearing the music of the spheres. What he found was that when people wake up in the morning, the little voice is there telling you, oh, I've got this, I'm fearful. And he found specific notes to play in the morning for his disciples to hear, to set the tone of the day. And at night, he played a tone so that they would be able to sleep through the night. Music and sound. Music can stir us to the highest heights and sound can make your hair stand up on the back of your neck. Sound is so important. And when you hear the people who play the crystal bowls or different chimes, you can really accomplish incredible things with sound as well as color. Mm, I, I totally agree with that. You know, I can remember years ago, I got bitten in the sea um, in spade. And I finished up with two holes in the back of my leg down the bottom. And it went right down to my bone eventually because one nurse put a totally wrong dressing on it. And it went right down to and another nurse said, Said that off, and when I have a look at it, she said, You're right down to the bone now. And there came a time when I got sick of tablets and I used to breathe in and out, and the pain used to go away. Beautiful. You know, when we, when we start talking about even breath, breath work, these are all natural, um, these are all a part of and interacting 
with us. And that is why when, when you ask, why did I get into the natural? As I peruse throughout time, as I look at what, what goes on currently, it is the natural approaches that bring the body back to stasis or, or more in balance. And it is an uphill battle against money-making systems that are dependent on the pharmaceuticals or surgery. The natural, I always believe in trying that first. Now, I believe in balance too, Bob. When you need surgery, you need surgery. But I would use this example. If a fly landed on the table in front of you, you could use a wrecking ball that they knock buildings down. You know, you're going to get that fly, but you're going to break the table. Now, you can also use a baseball bat. Maybe you'll get the fly, but you're going to damage the table. Or you can use a fly swatter. Now, why, what am I saying? I'm saying when you go in for medicine, don't start with the wrecking ball because you got nowhere to go after that. You start with the least intrusive. That is if you have time, of course, if you have a, a tumor in a bad place or you're bleeding, you do surgery, but you start with the less intrusive first and work your way up, not the opposite way. Medicine is slam, bang, uh, forcing, coercing, pushing. We don't want that. We want supporting, enhancing, assisting. That is the natural approach. Yeah, there's um, quite a, well, Susan's wrote loads in the chat room. She says, what's your views about having dreams about Jesus, the disciples, Mary Magdalene, and the Holy Grail? I have crazy dreams sometimes, she said. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, the answer to that, because there were so many there, yes, I, I have had dreams um, and actually visions um, where I have interacted with Jesus, but also with Buddha, um, we philosophically, whatever we're involved in, we are going to have that consciousness and philosophy as part of our nature and our makeup. However, I also believe, you and I didn't get into this, but I believe in past lives. I believe that we have numerous existences mm. before this one. And in that, we can flashback. I have had many dreams where I have been back in periods with ancient philosophers, with religious figures. But interestingly enough, I, in my dreams, had slightly different things that I saw than what is written down. And I believe in the visions or the dreams that I have had. But to answer you, the, the person's question directly, of course, we would have dreams about subjects of interest, but they can have many layers like an onion skin. It can be just a thought about the philosophy, but it can be even deeper. It can be somebody who lived during that time. It can be somebody who needs the support of, of those individuals. Those energy patterns exist. Everything constantly exists. Nothing is destroyed. Nothing disappears. So my answer would be that, that we be open to all things and you accept what appears to be the highest and best. The highest and best is coming from those sources. If somebody has a dream, I, I've had people tell me, well, they had a visit by philosopher Plato, and this is what Plato told them. And I say to them, I'm sorry, the Plato that you're relating to has gone into retrograde or is less knowledgeable than when he lived and his philosophy he wrote down. So I'm sorry, I don't believe that you were in contact mm. with the true spirit. 
I look for the highest and best. Are we being shared love and beauty? Are we making, are we planting flowers or are we making waves with each step that we take? That is always my criteria. I like there where you said the highest and breath, because one of my things is when I'm asking for something, I always ask for the highest and brightest and the best to come through. It's spiritual. Oh, I like that. The highest, brightest and best. Yes. Yes. Um, so you, you, you're not having no bad things coming through. You want the highest, brightest and the best to come through. And they will come through. Absolutely, Bob. I, I couldn't agree more. That is... That those are my watchwords, and it's interesting. Um, when people have asked in the past, can I help them healing wise? Here's what I tell them I will ask that the highest and best manifest for you for your continued soul's experience in this living. The highest and best is not for me to say. It is for your own higher self or your spiritual guides to give to you. Yes. But I am surrounding you. But I love, thank you very much. I like that. I've always said the highest and best, but I love the highest, the brightest and the best. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, I just want to touch on before we finish. What do you think about the coronavirus? What can we do? Well, this. Of course, I have been approached by many, many different people uh, regarding this. Here, Here is my feeling. I don't know, Bob, if we will ever truly learn whether it is natural, whether it is engineered, whether it was created, where it was created, why it was created. Hopefully, maybe we will know, but... I am not sure we will. I look at it as like this. The earth plane is a schoolroom. We are down here to have experiences, lessons. And I have a hard time with lessons, but let's say people will understand that. We're here for lessons. And the experiences that come to us on these lessons are meant for us to grow and to learn. I believe that this corona virus experience affects many, many different levels. If it was created, it's affecting the economics and and the physical. But from the spiritual standpoint, it is an opportunity for us to grow. It is an opportunity for us to expand our hearts. It is an opportunity to use and demonstrate friendship and camaraderie. This is a major, major lesson. Now, I knew going in these last years, if there were more and more people dying from um, accidents, from natural experiences, we were closer to a transition on this planet because those souls who passed do not want to experience what's coming up. It is not part of their life's journey. If you or your audience feels you do not need this physical experience, you will not get it. You do not need this physical experience for your continued growth. But fear, here's an old story. I hope I have enough time. Yeah, we're, we're fine for time. Okay, good. A, an individual, a pilgrim, was leaving the town of Constantinople. And while he was leaving, the plague was coming into the town. And the pilgrim said, oh, why are you here? And the plague said, I am here to take 5,000 souls. Well, the pilgrim was happy to be leaving. He leaves. Five months later, the pilgrim is coming back to Constantinople, and the plague is just leaving. But 50,000 people died, and the pilgrim said to the plague, I thought you came for only 5,000 souls. 50,000 people died. And the plague said, 
I only took 5,000. Fear took the rest. Oh. Yes. It is, about, it is about fear. It is about, yes, Bob, people, we want to be cautious, but the more fearful, the fear is going to what's going to create the biggest difficulties because you will attract the vibrations that you put out. That is a law of this plane. This is a law of our reality. The vibrations that you reside in, that you live in. Five, four people can be riding in a car, in an automobile. It's a nice day. One of them hates people, thinks people takes advantage, looks out the car window, and right at that moment sees somebody cutting something off, people arguing. Another person in the passenger seat Loves everything, looks out, the sky is blue, just sees the birds flying. We are going to bring into our reality that which we dwell or think upon. So on the coronavirus, does it exist? Yes. Was it man-made? Was it natural? I don't know. But it is affording us one of our greatest opportunities to express who we are. I believe we have come to earth to demonstrate how we manage creative energy. We are, we are a soul. We are power. We are light. We are love. How will we demonstrate the energy and power we are as a soul? Will we create waves? Will we plant flowers? Will we assist others in love? Or will we hoard? This is one of the greatest opportunities for expression. And people panic, don't they? First thing, they panicked. Well, people was going I don't know what. I don't know what they did in England. I, I'm sorry, I don't know what they did in England. But everybody took all the toilet paper throughout the United States. They did Nobody the same thing in the UK. You could not get a <laughs> toilet roll for anything. I, that I, first I month mean, when we up, got it, when we yeah. when it started coming over here, that first month, everybody just went out and bought toilet paper. And I thought, what about food? I know. I know, Bob. I... I I am completely miffed. I mean, I could use my joking self and say, do people think they're full of, you know what? Yes, I know. <laughs> toilet paper? I mean, it was crazy. And, and, were hoarding. Uh, and the best part about it, Steve, is since then, things have quieted down, and there's loads of toilet paper. <laughs> loads of it. Stacked high and wide. I it, it it is something you said it before. You would think, and people did eventually stock up more on food and and soap. But you would go for the food first, um, because the toilet paper just doesn't taste good, even with the fancy patterns. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But it's true what you're saying about uh, about fear. You know, it it brings on things then when you panicking and fear and you you're gonna get it i'm not saying that that's what happens isn't it well it you know uh I, i'm sorry normally i'm very good with quoting specific uh, uh dates or or literature but there was something that was done in england it was reported in a medical journal that actually in england that during one of the um, bad outbreaks of disease or plague, a woman was so concerned and so worried that she never left her house. Nobody went in, but she would look through the window at people who passed by who were ill, and guess what? She manifested it. She manifested it when it was physically impossible that she could get it, but she created it. 
Bob, we are creators. Mm. We are the ultimate creators. We can manifest things. And, and people don't realize the, the beautiful aspects that we can manifest. And all through history, there are examples of people who manifested. But know that anything they could do, you and I and your audience can do. And Susan can do too. I'm not going to leave her out. Everybody can do this. But yes. Susie... Susie, um, it's it's there. We are creators. But if we're going to create in fear, fear is what is created. If we want to manifest things for the highest, brightest, and best, mm. that we will do also. Now, why why does it seem to not work for people? Because they don't know how to hold a thought they don't know how to hold something in their imagination. They jump around like a monkey. That mind jumps around like a monkey on a string, and you don't hold. The longer you hold the concept, the more that you do that. And I'll give you an example. You and I are talking over the phone. But if I say, can you imagine a green apple? Even though we're talking, can you see a green apple in your mind? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hold, hold a thought of the highest and best or what you want to manifest throughout your whole day, whether you're talking or working, whatever you do, you hold that thought. You make it as clear as possible, and the universe must deliver it to you. That is the plane that we live in. But if it's fear, fear is what you're going to create. Correct. There's an old saying behest you angels and angels you get and behest you devils and that you will manifest also. True. Well, what can I say? Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been wonderful. Well, Bob, I would say the same thing. I appreciate you allowing me to share with you and your listeners on this show um, I appreciate you, and I surround you that the highest, brightest, and best continue to manifest forward from you. Well, what can I say? Thank I, you. Where can everybody find you and give you uh, and your email address and, and your websites, and how, how can they get your books? Yes. Um, the website for World Research Foundation where you can get health information is wrf as in frank dot org wrf dot org uh, people can reach me at s ross r-o-s-s at wrf dot org and my books are on amazon.com right. or at my website Well, they're absolutely fantastic. You know, um, have you got any more lectures coming up soon? Well, not really. Things are real quiet here. Everybody's uh, been told not to move around, but uh, I think towards the end of the year. Um, and I have a new uh, YouTube channel called Less Complicated, one word, Less Complicated, with Dr. Stephen A. Ross, and I am posting health videos, spiritual videos um, on that site, less complicated with Dr. Steve, Stephen A. Ross on YouTube. Well, that'd be great for people out there because a lot of people are, are laid off work and they want to watch something. Yeah. So I should imagine it'd be great to go on YouTube and find you. Well, yes, I think people are desperate for anything that's new. The, the sports fanatics here are going crazy. I, I heard one of the people, uh, one of the sports followers say he was watching a high school basketball game from 1985. Uh, people are starving for anything. So it's a good time for me to have videos up 
so people will watch it. So, Bob, it's all good, and um, it's getting close to your evening time. So, you know what? I hope you have nice dreams tonight. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, and same to you, and lots of lots of healing and love sent in to you and your family. Thank you so much. I Keep appreciate safe. that. Take care. And thank you to the to the te- technical people that helped. Yeah, Susan's the producer of the show. Um, yeah, so thank you so much. And, you know, get a few months down again. I'll get you back on the show again. Sounds good. Anytime, Bob. Look forward to it. I will do, yes. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye. And uh, thank you to Susan being the producer of the show. My yeah, guest on my guest on Friday is Elizabeth Lee Crowther. She's got her own radio show in the UK. She's a spiritual medium, and she's a she's been on the show before, but it's quite a few. I think it's about a year ago. She's lovely. She's great. So tune in on Friday, three o'clock Eastern, twelve o'clock Pacific, and eight PM in the UK. She'll be taking calls. She'll probably do a few readings in the second half of the show as well. So take care. Bye for now.